0: My name is Jared Parsons. Uh, Some of you guys uh, remember me from last week. It was just a week ago where I was here. Um, And I'll do kind of a recap of myself for those that that don't know me. Um, uh, I'm married seven years. My wife is here. She's over there uh, taking notes studiously already, like on my introduction. Um, uh, We've been married for seven years. We've lived in New York for um, six months. And uh, this, this, this is kind of a, a good snapshot. I, I reused a, a, a slide, which is like a, like a cardinal no-no, but I, I got lazy. I'm sorry. But I reused the, the, my intro slide from last week. That's, uh, the, the picture on your left is, is kind of what, what I'd like to show, and the picture on the right is more accurate of, of our life. And uh, we, have, we have a lot of fun, and uh, we, we came to New York to, to work in college ministry. Um, to uh, work in in downtown Brooklyn um, at NYU Tandon School of Engineering. And um, our job, um, we're talking about community right now, these these couple weeks, our job is um, creating a gospel community at at NYU Tandon uh, with students. Students that um, are... Uh, Tandon is one of the most uh, diverse uh, places in the world, both socioeconomically and ethnically. And, and uh, it's got over 40 different uh, countries represented and, and 60 different languages in a school of about like 5,000. So you can imagine just how diverse this, this place is. And so our job is creating community, a place where these students feel like they belong, like they have a home. Uh, home away from home, and so um, I think that's why Patrick asked me to speak these two weeks, plus he he had a marathon of like 16 weeks in a row of preaching, and he's old, and he's frail, and so <laughs> I had to, he just, he just needed a break, um, so I'm happy to fill in here, help him rest, uh, rest up, but um, yeah, community is, is so, so very important to me, and so um, we're, we're in the middle of a series called Rest Assured, and uh, what we did last week is uh, we talked about assurances, assurances that are the foundation for a good community. And I just want to recap those assurances for us this morning. Um, there was four of them, and uh, two of them were, were kind of bad news. Um, if the gospel is good news, we need the bad news first, right? We need, we need to really understand the bad news in order for the good news to be really good. And the two, first two assurances were, quote-unquote, bad news. The first one was that you can be assured that your sacrifices won't make you holy. Uh, translation, your best attempts will never make you whole. Um, your, your, your best works, the, all, all the good things that you do, all the things that you, that you strive to do to prove to God that, you're, that you have value and worth, they, they don't work. What they do when, when, you, when you try this stuff is that uh, it just covers it up, right? So it's, it's here, it's covered, but it's not removed because underneath is, is, is the sin, pain, and brokenness. Um, that we have that, that doesn't, get, doesn't get removed. And, and secondly, the second assurance is that um, your sacrifices actually ensure ongoing unholiness. Um, uh, translation, your, your best attempts actually ensure that you'll never be whole, that you'll never experience uh, the, the, the worth and value that God intended for you to do. The more that you try, the more exhausted you will be. Those were the bad news. The good news is that Christ's sacrifice has made you holy. We have, all the, we, we, we have all these attempts, right? We, we, we have all these attempts to, to, to try to prove our, our worth and, and, and to experience wholeness. Christ had one attempt, one sacrifice, and he nailed it. His one sacrifice has made you holy, and he offers you wholeness. And what he did is that he, he took the sin on himself, he removed it from you, and he will never again treat you on a basis of that sin. He actually removed it. And furthermore, the, the second assurance is that Christ's sacrifice ensures your ongoing holiness. So not only does he remove the sin and say, I'm, I'm never going to treat you on a basis of that, I'm, I'm actually going to move in to your heart. I'm going to move in and we're going to work on this together, right? And this kind of dealt with, with, the, with the truth that like, Christ has, has declared us holy, but we still got all this sin, right? Well, rest assured, Christ is working on it. He's sti- he's, he's, the, the gospel is a living person living inside of a living person. It's God in you working on you from the inside out, and he's, he, he, he never leaves, right? The anchor holds within the veil. He's, he's always with you saying, I'm going to transform you. And another thing that I didn't include last week that I wanted to share this week that I think is pretty encouraging is um, uh, one of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 3.18, says, uh, we all with unveiled face, we all who can see God exactly who he is, are being uh, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, and I and I want to highlight that one degree of glory to another just just because uh, I I think we want to hasten our holiness, but God's pretty patient with us. He, he in His Word it's one degree of glory to another, right? It it, it takes some time, so I I I didn't want uh, that to 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 be left in in your mind in your heart after last week of like okay I've got to like. Be, be more holy this week, and Christ, I need you to, to transform me all the way right now. He's going to complete it. He promises he'll complete it, but it, it'll take some time, okay? Rest assured, he will complete it. So those those were our assurances last week, and and when you when you put them all together, it, it helps you rest assured, right? That one, that I'm not in control, and that's a good thing. That God is in control, and he's working on me, and, and he has made me whole, and he loves me and he, he wants to have a relationship with me, right? These are things that we can rest assured in. And this uh, propels us into community. Now, we're going to talk about how these assurances transform a community, right? If if we are believing these assurances and calling out these assurances in each other, that uh, we should look different, right? We, we should be experiencing something um, that that no one has else has to offer, and so that's what we're going to talk about this week. Um, I'm going to give you a couple uh, two ca- two characteristics of a of a community that rests assured uh, this week, and uh, we'll 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 just explore. It's more of a how to this week. What, what 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 does it actually look like to live uh, with each other rest assured? So let me pray, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go um, through a bigger chunk of scripture just just to kind of recap scripturally where, where the context is. And then we'll, we'll be really focusing in Hebrews 10, uh, 23 through 25, but I'm, I'm going to pray and read a bigger chunk leading up to that. All right. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thanks for uh, the assurance you offer us, the assurance that, that you have done the work, that your sacrifice was enough the assurance that you're, that you're working on us, that you, that you didn't just make us holy and say, I'll see you in heaven. You, you, you work on us right now. You are living in us right now. Thanks, thanks for, for being present with us, God. And, and would, you, would you teach us uh, what it looks like to experience uh, community um, this morning? In your name, amen. All righty, I'm start in a start verse 14 in, in Hebrews 10. And um, if this helps you, it might help you to uh, follow along or uh, something that I, I encourage sometimes is you can close your eyes and, and just listen. Um, that sometimes that helps me focus as well, but I'll, I'll start reading. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them," After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we have this this amazing assurance, this amazing confidence that, that we don't our, we don't need to sacrifice anymore. Christ, Christ's sacrifice has paid for it all. And we have this, this beautiful picture of our, right? We talked about this last week, that, that it's our, uh, it's we, it's us. This is a communal command. Um, in verse 23, it says, uh, let us hold the, us hold the con- fast the confession of our hope, right? Our, us. Um, I, I explained this last week, but um, I, I have a Western individualistic mind. And, and sometimes when, when you do that, when you read this, this command, um, y- you tend to just internalize it and, and, and never, it never like, gets out from your own mind and heart. Right? And the truth is, is that these assurances, they're, they're meant to be believed personally, but they're meant to be experienced communally. You're, it, it's, you're supposed to believe it, for yourself, but but God always intended for these things to be experienced with other people. God himself is, is God in three persons. He experienced, we, we, we reflect his character when we live and experience goodness in, in relationship and in community. We reflect the, the trinity itself. There's a purpose to him being three, three persons in one. And we reflect that. So it's meant to be believed personally but experienced community. We are supposed to hold fast our confession together, right? To rest assured together. How? How are we supposed to do this? Oh, by the way, in, in case you miss anything meant to rest assured together, that's the big point. In case you like, for the next 20 minutes, you're like, what? Did I go to Wendy's twice yesterday? Or whatever is in your mind? It's Jim Gaffigan. I, I can't say credit for that. Um, d- d- don't miss that point, okay? I want to go back to, we are meant to rest assured together. If you kind of forget the how-tos, start there. It's a great place to start. We're meant to rest assured together. All right, moving on. So how do, how do we do this? How do we do this? And we're going to talk about two characteristics out of verse 24 and 25. The first characteristic of resting assured together is stirring up to love that works we stir up love that works. There is a natural uh, rhythm in the Christian life of inhaling and exhaling. Inhaling truth, inhaling encouragement, and then you have to exhale. You have to you breathe it out, right? And, and if you have this hope, it's not meant to be kept inside of you. It's meant to be breathed out. And what's interesting is that he starts with the characteristic of of mission, right? Of outreach, of of exhaling. That's where we're going to start. Is is you, you have to think, exhaling. Um, my wife and I did did uh, college ministry before we got to New York. We were at we were at Iowa State University for a while, and there there was one year where um, constantly students uh, were talking about how they they felt like they had a lack of community. They they didn't know people that well. They 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 the conversations were shallow. They were saying. And we were trying to figure this out because they're spending, these groups were spending five nights a week together. They were were spending all this time together and we're like, what's going on? Like, why? Why are they saying that there's no depth? They only see each other and Netflix. That's all that they see. So what is going on? And we realized it's because that there was a total lack of the exhaling of mission with them. God intends for us to live uh, thinking outward as well. And that actually adds depth to your community. When you have something so big, like, like the Great Commission, like loving others, like, like transforming the world of the hope of the gospel, when you have something that big, it adds so much depth to your relationships, right? You have things that you need each other for, right? You, you, you actually begin to really appreciate the differences because you go, oh, our, th- this thing is so big, I need that person, and I need to know them, and I, and, and, I, and I can't complete this. I need their help, right? There's this is natural kind of breathing, and I kind of think of it like like uh, um, driving on ice, if you guys ever, or hydroplaning, right? If you've ever hydroplaned, um, what they tell you to do is actually to turn the wheel into it, as opposed to, so you start to slide, let's say you start to slide your left, turn the wheel left, because if you turn right, you're actually going to propel the momentum the opposite direction. So it's kind of opposite, and, and that, that thats kind of uh, what i am I'm getting at here with this community thing. That community needs to be on mission. And sometimes when you're—when you're wondering, like, man, my, like this group, it, like, th- my friends is kind of shallow. Like, ask what's—what's—what's what's, what's your goal? What's your vision? What's your mission? Are you stirring up love that works? So uh, there, there's there's a pretty significant portion of of community that is mission, and, and it, uh, it needs to be said that it matters how we do it though. Okay? It really matters how. So he says, stir up love that works, or stir up love and good works. Um, that love, I, I wanted to say works because that love word is an action word. That, that love is not just a concept, it's loving. So a love that works. That stir word, some of your Bibles might have spur, uh, to spur one another on. It's, uh, s- this stirring word is not like stirring coffee, it's like spurring a horse. Get going. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's some force to it. And for some of us, when we hear that, of like, we're, we're meant to, to spur one another on, some of us who are conflict avoidant are like, ooh, I don't know about that. This does not sound like my wheelhouse. And some of you are a little too excited about this. <laughs> like, oh, I can't wait to spur some people on. But again, it matters how we do it, right? We're stirring up love that works. And what I wanted to do is to kind of give you a picture of of the opposite of. Of uh, a community that that is unassured, what they stir up and, and i 've experienced this the alternative from an unassured community is they stir up fear that immobilizes they stir up fear that immobilizes When I was in college um, I, was, I was part of this uh, ministry, and uh, there was like a ministry house that that uh, uh, some bros would get together and pray weekly, and it was great it was really fun and until there was like a moment where someone was like really into the book of James. And if you've read James, James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's, it's practical living, but, but it, it's meant to be read in context. And he just wanted to, to rebuke and he wanted to correct. That's, and he like got us all on this like correction, kind of like, I, I don't know, fad, if that's the right word. And we would have these rebuke sessions after prayer, which is as fun as it sounds where for a few minutes, it was awful. It Like, we were on display, and it was like, hey, man, love you, bro. Great praying with you. You got this thing, and it's real gross in your life, and you got to stop it. They're like, thank you, brother. Oh, thanks for saying it with grace and everything, is kindness and gentleness. Totally lacking. So anyways, you, you can imagine that we, we it wasn't that inspiring, right? Like, every week, it was we were like, uh, do I hide my sin, or it doesn't really feel like a safe space, you know? Like, like can, I, can I actually be who I am? Because they, they seem to think they know me better. And, so anyways, you can imagine how long that prayer meeting lasts. Not much longer, actually. That kind of killed it. Because it, it, it stirred in us fear. We were afraid. It brought out all of our insecurities, right? And so we, we need to be careful how we correct. We need to be careful with this, with, with what we stir in other people. Correction for a correction's sake is not good. There's got to be a motivation and love. And, and don't hear me say that never correct, right? If, if there's like a truck bearing down on someone in their life, you better be sure like, hey dude, this is going on in your life. It's causing pain. It's causing consequences. Like, you got to stop it, right? That, that, that happens. But more often, that, that's kind of like on the, on the, the the pure pyramid, the food pyramid, that's like the the fats, the sparsely used section. Very rarely do you get to the, like just the mean correction. Right? What you're trying to do is to bring out the the assurances in them. And more often than not, we end up playing spiritual whack-a-mole with each other's sin. Right? Stop sinning. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. Right? And all you end up feeling is like, man, I I got all these moles and nothing solved, you know? We need to stir up love that works. And what it looks like when you are assured is that you, you're, you're out of a place of, of God, God's got me. He's, he's, he's working on me. And, and, I, and, I, and I know that he's working on that person too, right? You, you begin to assume that the spirit is working, not that the flesh is winning. You begin to assume God's doing something in them. And I want to call that out rather than just try to beat down the bad, right? Trying to beat sin is literally beating a dead horse. Jesus already beat sin. He already won. Don't try to beat sin. Join God in what he's doing in them and say, wow, this is amazing about you. Let's see more of that, right? I, I need more of that. And what's beautiful about this, stirring up th- what they love to do to, to actually spread God's love is that it, 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 it begins to provide multiple works over their life. You begin to see a pattern in their life over time right? Instead of just trying to get them to one service project, you're seeing them live a life of service, right? Because they're operating out of what, what God has made them to be and, and, and what, what He's already doing in them. And that's a beautiful picture. Uh, kind of practically what this looked like. Uh, someone inspired me to do this in um, a, a Bible study that, that I uh, was leading uh, at Iowa State, and at the beginning of, of every uh, semester. I would just say, hey guys, uh, here's the deal. If if, if I'm leading the group, it's going to be really incomplete. I, I cannot do this without you. I need each and every one of you, not just to participate, but to contribute. I need you. There's only one of you on this planet, and I need you. And I need what you bring to the table, right? And, and I, at first I said it because I, I was supposed to, because my, my, the guy that was mentoring me was like, you should say it. And then I started to really believe it. Because then we had, we had one guy that was, that, like, he, um, he, he had trouble um, studying. He was not that focused when he studied the Bible. He was kind of scatterbrained. And, but man, he loved to pray. And so when he said, I, I'm, I'm really good at praying, and you might think, like, ah, oh, like, we all like to pray, but like this guy was good at it. And I gave him permission at any time during during the, the group meeting, you can stop us and have us pray at any time for whatever's going on. Man, we needed that guy. And he was quiet, but once his voice was heard, everyone was like, I need that guy, right? Each one of you has love that works. And we need to stir that up in, in one another, right? And that, the stirring comes Not, not by correcting the sin, but, but helping them really believe that they are that person. Right. This is this is where the force comes. We need to fight. No, you are not worthless. You have value. You really can contribute. You, you are beautiful. God loves you. He made you. We need you. This is where where the force of the stirring comes up. So I I, I included a, a reflection question for you to think about. But am I stirring up fear or love? Am I stirring up fear or love? And, and you can write that down and think about it. Am I stirring up fear or love? What, what's my conversation like? Am I, am I playing spiritual whack-a-mole with my friends? Am I just trying to rebuke the sin out? Or am I saying, you're amazing. God made you exactly, exactly the way that you are. And he's working on you too. You're not done, and I, and I need you, right? Am I stirring up fear or love? So, like I said, we started with, with the exhaling, Right? And now we're going to talk about the inhaling. This, this is the, the second characteristic that we're going to get to. And it comes out of uh, verse 25. It says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I want to pause there. Ghosting is not a 21st century problem. It's been a problem for a long time, right? Apparently, there's these people in the early church that are ghosting other people, right? Isn't that kind of encouraging that this, like, but also kind of discouraging? Um, that this has always been a problem, right? And, and, and I presume it looked a little different, right? Their ghosting was like, well, I'm a subsistence farmer and I need to, I didn't make it to group because I was trying to feed my family and they're like, whatever, Tom, just kidding. Um, it, it, but apparently this, this, is a, this is a problem that's always been around, is choosing, intentionally choosing to meet to one, with one another. And so I want to include that. Intentionally, the, the second characteristic is intentionally meeting to encourage towards Christ. Intentionally meeting to encourage towards Christ, we can happen on good conversations. I've I've lived that. I've done that before. Where I've happened on good conversations. You do not accidentally fall into great community. I've never I, I've never experienced it. You don't you don't just kind of fall into like oh my gosh this this place this is amazing community right? Because amazing community requires vulnerability and trust and it takes time right? For, for me to really be like my real, my real self in front of people. So there's an intentional choice here that, that needs to be made. We need to intentionally choose. And again, it matters how we do it. It matters what you do when you meet. It really does. You want to meet to encourage towards Christ. Uh, the, the verse says, encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And uh, sometimes I've, I've heard this, uh, communicated the day drawing near that's um bible speak for when jesus comes back and and like the earth is done and a new age will enter the age of of of, of heaven and and a new heaven and a new earth right when, when everything's over right the day and i've kind of heard it as like uh you know you need to encourage one another because you don't want the lord catching you sinning when he comes back right that is not motivating <laughs> that is horrifying right like are you kidding me? I always have to live perfectly? Like, we totally forgot that we have a a mediator named the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that mediates for us, that we have a mediator named Jesus who always stands in our place and mediates for us. And then, like, the other person in the Trinity, like, sent the other two to do those jobs. Like, God is our advocate. He's like, and he's not going to be like, oh, man, I was, like, really happy when you converted earlier, but now that I'm back and I'm seeing what you're doing, sorry. Are you kidding me? He, he completes his work, right? We don't need to be afraid of that. There must be another reason why he says all the more as you see the day drawing near. And the, the, the context clue is that, that I've put together another way smarter people than I have put together. I, those are, yeah, they, they put it together. Was that, that we, we need to encourage each other to, to always be, be thinking about Christ, to always be looking forward to Christ's return, not as fear, but oh my gosh, I can't wait to see Jesus face to face right? I can't wait to see Jesus, the one that has changed me. I can't wait, right? And we're encouraging one another because we want to pull that out in each, one, each other, right? Are, are you excited? Jesus coming back. He loves you. We have work to do still, right? That's, that's more, uh, that, that's an that's a assured living, right, than, than unassured. We want to meet to encourage towards Christ. And again, I'll give you kind of the, the alternative of what it looks like if you, if you're living unassured, what you meet together to do. You meet to, uh, encourage towards self-help. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not like anti, uh, self-help as like, like a general category, right? Like you should exercise and like take care of your budget and, you know, like, like normal things to help yourself. But as a philosophy, as a way of life, that's what I'm getting at, is everything to help yourself, Right? Is is this your goal? Is to is to help yourself. And this is kind of subtle. It takes on many different forms and, and I and I tried to think of all the different flags and there, there's a ton, but basically the core question is: is God necessary in the equation? Is God necessary in the equation? So, you know, let's let's say you're at a community group and uh, you, you spend some time reading Second Timothy. 3, 16, and 17, you learn about how all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. And you're like, okay, so what we're going to do is that we are going to read the Bible seven times this week. Okay? Nothing wrong with a number goal. That's fine. But who's going to do this? We are. I am. I'm going to do it. Right? And then you meet next week, and then, and then what happens? It, it, it can kind of transform into this cop accountability, right? Rather than partnership, rather than like actually aiding them, I'm, hey, did you do it? Did you? You only got in three times? Jeez, that's not even halfway, man. Right? Like, that's, that's not good. God's not needed in that equation. And worse still, sometimes we succeed in those goals. And we think we don't need God. Right? And we just kind of do it as a checklist a different kind of approach. This might be semantics for you. Maybe, maybe not. But hey, we just read about how amazing Scripture is. It's inspired by God. Let's take some time. Let's ask, would, would He help us to get a, to, to help us see the beauty of, of the Word this week? And maybe let's all try reading once or twice and really talking to God about it. And I want to hear what you guys learn next week. Right? Next week, they might say, I'd, I only got in once. You, you got into the word once? That's amazing. What was it like? Right? In basketball, uh, there, there's, there's a, a phrase that's keep shooting. Um, and it's used not for anybody, only the ones who actually can shoot. But some, <laughs> some, sometimes people who can shoot have off nights. And every good coach knows to say keep shooting. Right? We, we want to be a community that encourages keep shooting keep going, right? That's great. Ask God for help. Keep shooting. He wants to help you. He wants to grow you. He wants to encourage you. It's very important that we live assured because we can actually encourage each other towards Christ. And Christ, remember, is the one that's ensuring our ongoing holiness. He's the one working, right? We don't want to encourage towards behavior modification. We want to encourage towards the one who's transforming us. If we live assured, our community will be so different. Christ says, in John 13, he says to his disciples, they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for each other. Our defining characteristic as followers of Christ is love for each other. Jesus said they will know. We, can, we will be able to pick them out by the love that they have towards each other, and the encouragement that they provide, and 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 the goodness that they bring out in each other, right? We want to meet to encourage. Last thing I'll say: um, I, I mentioned you saw at, at, the, at the first slide um, that I'm bad at football. That had that had a point. That there was a point to that. Um, and I'll bring in another football story just just for fun. Um, to, to recap last week. Uh, I was forced to play uh, football in high school. I was uh, five foot four, hundred and I got up to 140 pounds at one point. That was I was really a, a beefcake then. I, it took me a while to get there. I was like 130 pounds than normally. I was allergic to grass and asthmatic, so football was bad. <laughs> Anyways, my senior year, they had finally found a niche for me. I had good hands, um, so I, I could catch, but usually they, you know, again five foot four, so the quarterback usually couldn't see me. But they figured this, this this play out for me, and we were playing this team that this play was gonna gonna work perfectly. And every day at practice, my coach was encouraging me, saying, Jared, like, like you have no idea how amazing this is that we have this play, we are gonna exploit their weakness. You you are our secret weapon this week. But you have to follow these very specific instructions from me. When you catch the ball, because you're five foot four and 140 pounds, you run towards the sideline, right? So you, you, there's all, all the people, you run away from the people. He was like, I'm giving you permission to run away from the people. And most importantly, because the team we were playing, uh, I played eight man football, which yes, that's a thing. It's where we don't have enough. Yeah, we only have eight people on the field, but this team had these gigantic linebackers that you just never saw eight man football. They were 260, 270 pounds, big dudes. And, um, that, that, that's who was awaiting me in the middle, right? So it, all the more important that I listen to my coach's instruction. So the game starts. I'm so excited. First three plays, bam, 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 it works. Eight yards, 10 yards, 13 yards at a time. And as I'm after the third play, I'm walking back to the huddle. And, uh, you know, gargantuan number one, I don't remember their names. He, he turns to me He says, yeah, so you're just going to keep running away from me, you little boop. Call me a, a word. Something you should also know about me is that I have a slight Napoleonic complex. <laughs> where I don't I don't I like being challenged, I don't like not responding to said challenge. So two plays go by, we do something else, doesn't work, whatever. They call my number again. And uh, all of this I, I don't I I'm kind of a dramatic person, so again I don't remember if this happened exactly as I but this is how I remember it. I turn to my coach. And I, through my mouth guard, gave him like a weird kind of smile, and kind of like looked at me. I caught the ball, and because uh, the guy in front of me was expecting me to go to the sideline, he, he just ran this way. I, I had the widest lane to a touchdown that you could possibly imagine, but here was the man who challenged me, and I made a beeline for this 270-pound dude as an asthmatic, 540, you know, 540 pounds. I gained a lot of weight in between those three <laughs> plays. It's like, coach, I've got a plan. I need to gain... Just kidding. I, I, I was still 140 pounds. Made a beeline for him. And this caught him so off guard. Now, here's another uh, moment where I need to interject. Tackling in football has a very specific technique and rhythm to it. So when you, when you tackle, it's not just grabbing someone and throwing them. You've got to get low, right? You've got to p- pull your center, center of gravity down, and, and you lead with your shoulders, into their midsection. That's, that's how I was expecting you know, Godzilla to tackle me. However, he was so taken aback by this that he did this like weird hopping thing and landed on my back with my leg locked. Yes. That's, that's the part of the story where everyone says that. Oh. So as you can imagine, my leg did not farewell. It, uh, it lost between him and Godzilla. And uh, I was out for the rest of the season. I never played a, a single snap of football again, ever again. Why? Because I didn't listen, right? I didn't listen. I tell this ridiculous story mostly because it's just fun. But, but also, it's got a point. All this amazing community doesn't matter if you don't choose to listen. My coach was giving amazing advice. He was telling me to live in my, in my sweet spot, right? We had a plan. I was a secret weapon, and I thought, you know what, this time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on my own. You've got to choose to listen to the encouragement of others. You've got to choose to listen. When someone says, you are amazing and you have value, you have to fight that voice that says, no, you're not. No, I'm going I'm to listen to that. They know me. They know my, what, what I'm assured of. They're assured, right? You've got to listen. We want to rest assured as a community in Christ. Um. And together. We are meant to rest assured together. We are meant to rest assured together. So let me give you some reflection questions and then um, I'll pray and I think Chase, Chase will give an answer. It's great. So I'll give you a couple minutes to, to think on, on these questions. Am I resting assured? Am I resting assured? Do I meet to encourage? Right? Do I meet? Do I encourage, right? And then what step do I need to take? I'll give you actually a couple minutes uh, in silence. It might be painful for those extroverts in us, Uh, but I'll actually give a couple minutes in silence to actually think about these things and anything else that you might want to jot down from from today or the the scripture. Um, Am I resting assured? Do I meet to encourage? And what step do I need to take? I want to close with um, another passage that... um, uh, Kind of exemplifies what a, what a community that rest assured looks like in scripture. This is this is beautiful. You can hear the the appreciation for each person and 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 the beauty here. This is out of Romans twelve. He um, says, "For the, by, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function." So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Isn't that beautiful? That's not an exhaustive list. There's more. There's more. There's more to, to us, and that's what I hope for us. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for um, the assurance that you offer, for, um, yeah, the security of self, of knowing that we are loved by, by an infinite God who died for us, who, who gave his own life for us. God, would that propel us to, to love each other um, out of this, uh, this blessed self-forgiveness that we talked about, the, this, this ability to say, I'm loved, how can I love others? Um, yeah, God, would you would you use New City to transform um, Long Island City and uh, and Queens and New York and the world, God? We we ask for this that, that our that our love for each other would, would show your amazing power, God. Thanks for this time. Um, thanks thanks for, for for providing us life and life in you. Um, your name, Amen.